0: Welcome to The Drive with Adrian and Melissa, a podcast created to...
1: One more time. I didn't click record. (laughs) Sorry.
0: This is our fifth (laughs) time, but that's all right, because you will be welcomed sooner or later. And take six or seven or eight or nine. Can we do one more?
1: Thank you. Okay, I'm ready.
0: Welcome to The Drive with Adrian and Melissa, a podcast created to encourage and empower people in motion, specifically educators and parents as they travel around the world.
1: On The Drive, we navigate challenging questions in work, life, and all the in-between. We definitely don't have all the answers, but we're excited to explore and share the answers we discover during the ride. Come join us on The Drive. Let's go.
0: Come on. Come on. Let's go. What has been hard about teaching me at home? Oh, which day of the week are we talking about, <laughs> um, The hardest part is patience, patience, patience.
2: Just trying to keep track of everything that you're supposed to be doing. Your school keeps sending us so many different suggested activities.
3: When you start to get bored with what we're working on right now, I don't know how to come up with things to help you learn the next steps.
1: Welcome back drivers. You heard right. We are about to talk about this pandemic in the classroom. It's been such a unique experience for all of us, but we would be remiss if we didn't discuss it. Of course, this will come up again and probably again. Uh, But let's first dive into where we are before we rev this engine and really get started. Let's start with some check-ins. Melissa, What vehicle are you driving? And this time, tell me a little bit about how full is your tank?
0: It's your girl. Hey, hey, drivers. It's your auntie, your sister friend, Melissa Don, And I'm pulling up to this episode in my moving truck from last week. I have not returned the moving truck as I am still working through what I need to take with me during this transition into the next school year and what I need to leave. What a fabulous podcast last week. I cannot keep moving forward without honking my horn at Pastor Nedra for being our first podcast subscriber. Thank you, sister girl, for rolling with us. Well, Adrian, I am super excited about this episode because this episode is for our educators. Hello, educators. How y'all doing out there? Listen, parents don't click off just yet, because it's clear that you may be your child's teacher this school year. That's right, parents. Not only are you being asked to be your child's cafeteria lady, counselor, (laughs) carpool driver, and PE teacher, you are being asked to educate in the 2020-2021 school year. As a matter of public health and safety you are their homeschool teacher and for those parents that are excited to homeschool their children this school year we applaud you because parents many of us believe that you are the first teachers parents teach their children how to meet basic human needs for food shelter and relationships and if you felt like you missed out on that opportunity, now, parents, is your time. But listen, parents, not, you are not the only ones showing up with different uniforms on. During this pandemic, I've had to be a hairdresser, a chef, a personal trainer, an IT instructor. And now I'm a podcaster, y'all. But what about you, Adrian? I pulled up with my moving truck. How are you pulling up? And Adrian, is your tank full? Because listen, my tank is full over here. Oh,
1: yes. My tank is super full on that Costco gas. This is not a paid advertisement. Uh, But I am in my faithful Honda. You all will hear me talk about my two-door Honda Coupe that I love dearly. So that's what I'm at. And part of that really represents that I'm back home. I'm in the house that I remember making so many memories in, graduating high school, sleepovers, shooting hoops outside in the front. I, this house just is really home. And so my Honda represents that as well. And I'm riding with the air on, but I have the moonroof open. So I'm still getting a little that bit, bit of that fresh air and getting my melanin popping, but I'm keeping myself really cool while the heat is perpetrating on the outside. And I have my radio station on, this throwback station that I love. And it's not oldies, because I'm not old yet, but it is throwback because the music I like does not really get played on the radio anymore, <laughs> so. <laughs> Um, But that to me, that radio station really represents reconnecting with family and friends again. Some of my old friends the ones who know you, like you could sit in a room and not say anything and you look left and that woman knows exactly what you're thinking, why you're thinking it and who you're thinking about. Yes, (laughs) you know, um, but it feels so good. You know, I just got back from seeing my mom and my grandma in the East Coast Now I'm back in the Midwest, and so it's just a really, really good feeling, but I also think part of that good feeling is being here with our drivers, being here with you, and getting to launch something so special, and that's this podcast. I know this is going to be a lot of fun and amazing. We're going to push each other, learn from each other, laugh with each other, and hopefully just gain a little bit more each day that we're doing this together i know i already am so i'm so excited but i'm also still preparing for like that next chapter in life so i'm cruising but i know i have things to get done um my brother's been working me out oh we i mean i lost three pounds in like three days he's not playing no games <laughs> with me Uh, we're even cooking and eating together so it's just such a lovely time right now I'm just I mean if you can't hear it in my voice I am excited I am just happy and you know just loving life right now but we've checked in so let's shift gears and we're going to talk about our school life now and really looking at the start of when things started to change, when this really became a pandemic and how we kind of did that. And we're gonna start by actually listening to another teacher in the States, which is different than how we started our um, experience with this. So we'll do some comparing, some contrasting, but we're gonna listen a little bit about how she handled her day, how she was organizing her day in her life, because that was a big change, right? First, you're driving, drivers, to work and you're ready to clock it, you know, and you know, and you have this day, you have your schedule and all that. And then all of a sudden it's like, nope, you're at home. You're using this computer. Make this work. And so let's kind of hear how she handled that. And then we're going to dive into how we handled that and how it's going to look a little bit different because this was different for us. Currently it is about 8am which is when my work day starts. I work
2: every day from 8 o'clock in the morning to 4 o'clock in the afternoon with a two hour break for lunch from 11 to 1. So before I jump into things I wanted to just give an overview of my schedule. I have been waking up and doing my morning routine which is a little bit different than it used to be. I did talk about this in my last video but I keep it pretty simple. I wake up, I spend about 10 minutes reading a book in bed just to kind of get my brain going. <laughs> I get ready, I go downstairs, I light a candle, and then I eat breakfast. Then from 8 to 9.30 is my morning block, which consists of either meetings or connecting with students or professional development. Then I have my instruction block from 9.30 to 11. I have a break for lunch from 11 to 1. I have office hours from 1 to 2.30 and then I have planning from 2.30 to 4. It is now 4.00. 02, which means I'm officially off the clock. And one of the best things I started doing at the end of my workday is I created a sign-off routine that I follow every single day. It really helps me to realize, okay, my life as a teacher and my work schedule is done, now I can move on to my personal time. Because when you're working from home, it can be really difficult to stop working. So personally, my sign-off routine is very simple. It consists of just three things. First, I always check my emails one final time and respond to anything that needs to be responded to. Second, I clean my workspace and kind of reset it so it's ready to go for the next day. And then number three, I set my power list, which is my list of the top three things I wanna get done for the day for the next day so that I'm all set and ready to go.
1: All right, Melissa. So I really just enjoyed listening to how she did things. And for me, that just really wasn't my story. Um, my days weren't nearly as neat and organized or structured because one, literally in the middle of my vacation, they were like, yeah, so uh, we're not going to be going back to school and you need to come up with a plan of what that looks like. And I was like, oh, hmm. Okay, so by the time we actually started getting in to the routine, I was in the Middle East and commuting to Far East Asia. And so there was a time difference of about five hours. So I was waking up at 5 a.m. so that I'm not super behind all of my teachers and my parents. From there, I had to make sure I had time for my department heads and what they needed to work through, my teachers, questions that they had. Sometimes there were things being asked from above for my teachers to do. And I said, well, I need to know what's really going on. And so I wanted to be really clear about communicating to the teachers that I'm not here to judge. I'm here to learn. So I was learning a lot from my teachers about how they did their lessons, how they connected with their students, how they adjusted to this major shift in learning and education. And all of our students are second language learners. Big adjustment to, you know, how do we communicate when this is a foreign language to them? How do we connect with the parents? So there were a lot of things going on. Those first days were really, really long, at least on my end. You know, sometimes they were anywhere from like, At a good day was like, oh, yes, we did eight hours and that's it. And, you know, longer days would get into 12 and 14 hours. Can you tell us, you know, a little bit about what your journey was like on your side um,
0: starting into this? Well, thank you for that wonderful question. One of the things that I really loved about the clip that you played is a lot of times people want to understand the specifics of what it is like as an educator during a pandemic and what it is like to organize and structure your day. I know that when I was an assistant principal in the Middle East, one of the first things that I did to help our teacher assistants is create a schedule. So I had an acronym to help them to be a help. And that is H is have a schedule. E is examine your environment. L is learn the standards and P is praise yourself and others. So I think one of the ways to. That's wonderful, Melissa. I love acronyms, just so you know. So having that
1: help there, that's a great uh, acronym.
0: Thank you so much. So when I do finish writing the book about health, I will make sure that all of the drivers out there are able to pre order that book and get it. But that has really been dear to my heart having a schedule. So obviously for me, I am overjoyed at the opportunity to be able to hear in great detail an example of a daily schedule. I think that that that's very helpful. So drivers out there, educators out there, it is vital that we do have a schedule. For my personal journey, I would like to zoom out from having a daily schedule and just look at how this entire transition began for me. I think last week we did a lot of great work in transitions and how to transition effectively and so I would like to just start with how did I go from being an educator in the classroom to being an educator at home virtually. So let's jump into the specific pandemic pathway that I've traveled this year. I didn't approach the pandemic as an educator. I responded to the pandemic as a human dealing with a massive traumatic experience. However, my personal experience in 2020 is not about my response to the pandemic as much as it's about the revelation of God's sovereignty in my life. He is the supreme ruler of my life. <laughs> he has ultimate power And his plans for me are good. When I first found out about the public health threat, it was in January. For many people, they found out and understood it weeks later than I did because I was in Asia. A colleague asked me if I heard about a virus and I responded, no, tell me about it. So she told me what she knew, and then the next day our school announced that we would not gather in large groups for holiday celebrations. And from that moment until now, God's sovereignty has overshadowed my responses to the unprecedented times. I never questioned, like, where I should go for, for safety because my steps were ordered in 2019 by God's design. So what specifically happened in 2019 to let me testify to God's sovereignty is that I scheduled a learning and the brain conference in San Francisco for February 14th. That was about educating anxious brains. When airlines started pulling out of Asia due to the spread of COVID-19, I was more fearful of missing out on my conference (laughs) than I was for my health. I wasn't concerned about a health risk. I was concerned about transportation restrictions. So there was that moment for me where I had a focus and I wanted to make sure that I accomplished my focus and wasn't distracted. I was determined to attend the conference in California. The Learning and the Brain Conferences are my favorite educational conferences. No, no, no. This is not a podcast commercial yet. As this is our first season. However, one day, we hope to partner with the Learning and the Brain Conferences. Other colleagues were concerned about the unknowns and they decided to transition from their homes in Asia to their homes in the United States and other parts of the world. Because remember, I represent global educators that have homes in more than one country. Well, all went well, thank God. And I attended the conference and it was incredible. And I just remember so- you posting. It was
1: so great. I remember the images. I remember your excitement. So this is so interesting to hear about it now.
0: Yes, I'm so glad that you're along for the journey. I love, love, love talking about um, this conference. This conference was incredible. The conference was sold out. The attendance was the highest in the history of learning in the brain. I learned from this conference the value of mental wellness for children. Dr. Green, the author of The Explosive Child and Raising Human Beings, was there, and Mr. Peter Hall, the co-author of Relationships, Responsibility, and Regulation, Trauma-Invested Strategies for Fostering Resilient Learners, was there to explain to me that childhood trauma is real. I walked away from the conference with a greater understanding of the importance of trauma-invested practices in school settings and... I walked away understanding how to address the needs in our students versus getting lost in those disruptive behaviors. Only God could have designed this type of strategic preparation, knowing that I was about to become a virtual teacher caring for students during a traumatic experience. Furthermore, our classroom theme for the year was creating a calm, connected classroom. Not knowing that students would be facing the threat, not knowing that I would also be facing the threat that would try to come and separate us and make us anxious. Before I continue with the pathway created for me during this pandemic, I did want to acknowledge that your pathway through this pandemic will not be the same as mine. However, I challenge you to look closely at your journey and identify the rest stops along the way. Those places in your life where you can clearly see that provisions were made and that peace was granted by God. Now, in order to understand my gratitude for these types of rest stops, if you will, you must understand me. I am a planner, a strategic thinker, a wisdom seeker. I believe that in the multitude of wisdom, there is safety. God knew I needed to be surrounded by wisdom in order to feel safe. Because once my mind was safe, the rest of me was safe. My Think Create tribe consisted of the mental health experts I enjoyed at the conference. My fabulous five sister friends. Hey, Fab Five, how y'all doing out there? my mentors, and my family. Once God surrounded me with the wisdom from my tribe, I was able to move beyond my basic safety needs, you know, the needs that are on level two in the Marslow hierarchy of needs. I was able to move beyond level two needs to the level three needs in the Marslow hierarchy of needs. You know, those needs are the social needs. As we all know, In order to avoid problems in anxiety, loneliness, and depression, it is vital that we all feel loved and accepted. So the question for me, Adrian, became and continues to be, how would I meet the social needs of our virtual classroom in the middle of a pandemic? So I want to make it clear that we... Not only talk about the end, which is that daily schedule that you have, after you've initially found out about the threat, after you initially made all the phone calls and like Adrian said, stayed up. I also want to make sure that we remember that from the very beginning of this journey, that if we look back over it, you'll see those times when God, placed provision in your life, when God gave you specific rest stops so that you can see you were never alone. Yes, these are new times. This is a new normal. However, God has never changed. And just like he was with you in 2009, he's with you in 2019 and he already made provisions for you. But what about you, Adrian? Can you tell me how did you see some provisions and some rest stops at the beginning of the journey? I know you really talked about the actual action steps that it takes to be an educational leader during the pandemic. But when you first initially found out about the pandemic, are you able to identify oh, I see where God provided some rest for me there. or Oh, I see where God ultimately prepared me for this transition from being a face-to-face educational leader to a virtual educational leader.
1: Well, I would say when I think more about where I saw him in my situation was just the support that I got. And so for me, I was traveling, um, when all of this news kind of started breaking out and actually my flight back home was actually canceled. And so I had to figure out, okay, what do I do now? So I rerouted to somewhere I had um, lived before. And I said, okay, well, this isn't that far. Let me go back there for a second, hang out, reconnect with people work on fostering some, you know, stronger, you know, business, personal relationships and, you know, Get back on it. And then next thing you know, I ended up being there for five months. And so one thing that like was really clear to me is I have some amazing friends like that are really like they really have become family, you know, Um, and I built really great relationships with them and spent time. I had the opportunity to really feel what the parents were feeling, And so that was really kind of uh, almost eye-opening to me because it helped me to reset expectations for myself, reset expectations for the students and the educators and the parents and everyone so that it was very manageable and realistic what was being asked, that it was creating a nurturing environment for learning because I had to remind myself like, hey, all of us are kind of like, Just trying to survive. And so I really saw him come up and just having people there for me, you know, and being able to take walks with people and talk with people and have literally to have a place to put my head down and know that I was safe and taken care of and loved. And so that was really really helpful to me another thing that was helpful is that because i was back to a place that i had been before where i initially started my journey in educational leadership specifically i was able to reconnect with some of those some of those mentors that i had and kind of bounce off ideas that how i was thinking about handling things where I was going to go, what I was thinking about asking of teachers, what I was thinking about doing myself. So having those people really at just almost arm's length was really, really helpful to kind of say, this is how I'm going to approach this. This is not how I'm going to approach this. I also think that I had some really good relationships with my department heads. We worked really, really well together. And that proved to be very helpful in that transition because we were able to like grind together and be honest with each other no that's not gonna work yes this is this is how the teachers are feeling and really really go back and forth with each other in a positive manner so i feel like although my first semester at my last you know appointment was a difficult because it was a big transition really having spent time working on relationships proved to really be how to me he showed up in my life.
0: Thank you so much for sharing that. One of the things that I heard you talk about that I also agree with and want to give a hand clap for is the tribe that surrounded you and the tribe that surrounded me. So shout out to our tribe. One of the things that I want to make clear for our drivers is the reason why it's important that we look at the beginning of a thing is because those are moments of faith. When you're able to look back at the beginning and see that God who have began a good work in you will perform it, If he started with you, he's going to see you all the way through. And some of the challenges with now is all of us are in the throes of a pandemic now. Every educator around the world, although we did not start this transition in the same space, some people that were global like myself and Adrian, we started this journey back in January. Other people joined us in March and some people joined in February go back if you can and look at how god was with you in the beginning and any challenge or any situation that you have now he's not gonna leave you just like we started this journey together last week adrian and i i'm ride or drive with her i didn't say ride or die I said, ride or drive. I will ride out with her or I will take over and drive if she needs me to. But I will not stop this journey because we began this together. So just know that if I am human with no supernatural powers, not running the universe, have that type of commitment to a sister friend. What type of commitment do you think our God has to us His daughters. Come on, sister friends out there. Ride out with me. Okay. So that's why it's very important because oftentimes when we're in the middle of this thing and we cannot see our way through, we get discouraged and we get frustrated and also we get sad. However, you did not start this without help. And so just know that those provisions that were made before we even knew we were going to come into a problem. God had already sent the answer. What? What? Before we even knew we had ran into a problem, God had already sent the answer.
1: Um, And I feel like that's not just for the educators. You know, that's for everyone. You know, all of us in whatever space we're in, that's really true. And as much as we're talking about educators, like you said at the beginning of the episode, which I fully agree with is parents are the first and I always say the first and the longest educators of their child. Something you will hear me say all the time that parents are the first and longest educator because we have them during the day they have them at night and you know during this pandemic they've had them all day all night and everything in between but as they leave from our hands the next year they're still in their parents' hands. And I'm still in my mama's hands. You know, she still is working on me, teaching me and working with me. We have to think about the students and the parents as well. And so I found something from Education Week. And Education Week to me is just really, really awesome. So again, not a paid advertisement, but you know. Um, And they had students and parents interview each other across the U.S. They were interviewing is about their feelings and experiences navigating distance learning and I know at my school this was a constant consideration and then setting realistic expectations and being adaptable so let's actually hear what some of the parents and students actually had to say about what it was like to be at home and learning how are you feeling today mom
3: feeling a little stressed out things are kind of crazy and I'm trying to keep a schedule, but you guys don't really make it that easy. <laughs>
2: it's definitely overwhelming a little bit. There's a lot more energy in the house, a lot more mess in the house, and a lot more demands on
3: mommy's time. I've been feeling kind of grumpy most days.
0: What's happening with the economy and the lack of a steady paycheck kind of makes me feel a little bit anxious.
3: One moment you're hopeful, and one moment you're
1: sad. And I'm I'm feeling okay.
2: What do you like about learning at home?
3: Um, I like that I get to spend much more time on the computer. I just like that I can go at my own pace. And I like the way that we sometimes we both learn moving. Um, I like that it's less hard than school.
0: Well, I would say learning is a stretch.
3: I like that we're being given more free time.
1: I mean, it's also kind of more easy,
3: easier to <laughs> get a better grade because you can like I guess like look
1: up the answers so, one thing I like about both the parents and the students that they were able to see students who are normally really shy, reserved, or sometimes even struggling actually thrive in this new situation. And so, my friend that I was actually staying with, her daughter grew leaps and bounds because sometimes the overstructuring of school can be really difficult. Sometimes having that freedom that this new situation forced on them is to kind of have to manage their time themselves do things somewhat at their own pace actually proved to be really beneficial and helpful
0: what i noticed adrian is that this uh, situation presented opportunity and we spoke to this in our first episode shout out to our first episode subscribers And thank you, Drivers, for supporting us on this journey. And in that episode, we talked about this being a -a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. And so for many of us, we have been exposed to virtual learning. As we know, virtual learning is definitely a part of the educational community, and we appreciate everyone that has a virtual school. Me personally, I've also been a live-in tutor, and so I have a great appreciation for tutors that live with people and assist during homeschooling. One thing we talked a lot about was
1: advocacy. And so I really worked with her mother about how to be a parent advocate and some of the verbiage she needed, who to contact, when to contact, what are reasonable expectations of the education community that she was a part of, but then I was also teaching her daughter how to advocate for herself in the classroom because I feel like for her, she was really struggling to say, this is what I need. This is where I'm having a hard time. So we had a lot of conversations about what that looked like in addition to, of course, working on the assignments and the various different task that the school was sending because her school was sending a lot of things so many different things they had like 18 maybe I'm exaggerating but they had like 18 different websites to go to for this and for that just considering the parents and the students and the impact that they felt of being at home how did you respond as an educator and I'll kind of start um, with some of where we um, were and some of the things that we kind of struggled and thought through. So one thing we did was really making sure that parent feedback was included. So some of that was me directly speaking to parents as an administrator. Some of it was through surveys and being very specific with the questions about where we were doing well, where we they needed some more support and what that actually looked like. We reminded teachers about making adjustments that... Felt good to them and to their classroom. And so you saw some really amazing things happening. Like, I remember dropping in on a teacher who was doing. Bed, um, bedtime stories. And he literally had like a flashlight and was under a cover and was reading his um, read aloud to the students. And it was optional for them to drop in, but so many of the kids dropped in and it just felt good. And that's something we don't normally get to do. So it was also giving room to be creative and to handle things differently than we normally did. We made a lot of personal phone calls to help families navigate through this new technology. So in some places, we had some of this technology already there, but maybe we weren't actively using it. So it was kind of making sure parents knew how to log in, how to access information, how to go through that. And so working with um, our bilingual staff to make sure that that support was there. We started offering homework help. So parents and students could kind of engage with the teachers about how to get through some of these independent assignments that were being given to them digitally and just all those different things but with that we also really really tried to reduce the number of new digital tools that we were introducing so on the opposite end because I was on the receiving end of a school giving so many different platforms and we know as educators that we pull from 102 different places when we're in the classroom, but that looks really different when you have to share that with people who aren't familiar with them. So we really tried to work to reduce that exposure. What were some of the things that you did to kind of navigate this new change specifically in the classroom?
0: In the classroom virtually or in face-to-face, we wrap learning in relationships And so from the top down, we would have one word, and that is grace upon grace. Whatever the challenges that you're dealing with, grace upon grace. Whether you can make it that day into the virtual space, grace upon grace. Whether you did not understand how to log in or not log in, grace upon grace. So for us, our response was grace. Wonderful, wonderful. So I'm going to ask you a question and answer it as you like.
1: And this is really about reflecting what are your big takeaways? So what have been your COVID keeps since uh, starting this whole experience?
0: So for me, I don't want to keep anything that COVID has to offer me. (laughs) I think that virus can go right on back to the dark place that it came from. And uh, we can go ahead and have a cure. Uh, One of the things that I discovered from distance learning is that I'm a virtual teacher. (laughs) Okay, so I discovered that inside of all of us are gifts and talents that are ready to be revealed in due time. So whatever the challenge that we have, we do have the strength inside of us to overcome that challenge. Whatever the new journey is, we have the wisdom inside of us to begin that new journey and Whatever the questions are, come on, somebody. We are on this podcast to ask questions. And no, we may not have all the answers. But what I have learned is when we ask the right questions, the answers will begin to reveal themselves over time. So for me, those are some of the distant discoveries that I was able to take away is that we are exceptional human beings. And it is our job to be the best version of ourselves. And I know for me, I'm living my Queen Melissa version every day, all day with grace upon grace upon grace being added. Wonderful. Yeah. And that's
1: actually, as you were saying, I was like, I like distant discoveries a lot better. So um, that's going to be my new moving forward version of talking about that. What were your distant discoveries? Um for me, it was becoming um, a better listener. I felt like this time really pushed me to really have to sit and listen. And it's not that I don't listen, but, you know, like that really channeling it and kind of realizing the importance of listening and hearing. And there were a couple times where, not a couple, There's one time where I remember um, during this experience where we worked with every, like it was the department heads, myself, uh, my supervisor, and we worked on some adjustments to make and we were super excited. We're like, okay, this is going to go really, really well. We dived into it, sent it out. Here's the new notice. And whoa, my teachers were like, ah, 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 ah. we sat back, we listened, we got back together, we went back to work at it. And then the following day, um, we set up meetings with all of our teacher teams and we did them in clusters and doing that and kind of talking about, okay, we heard you, we hear what you're saying, here's the adjustment. And we also know, realized that we also didn't communicate well. So here are the, here's us communicating what the expectation actually is and how, like what we're asking of you in this space. And so becoming a better listener was really uh, a good lesson for me. Also learning that we are all virtual teachers. And so um, because we're constantly going between virtual information and, you know, putting that in the classroom, whether that be putting it back virtually or whether that is what we're then intaking. Um, So really introducing technology really early. We can kind of build capacity within ourselves early by, you know, using what the 21st century learning has really brought to us. And so kind of embracing that, embracing it early so that we can be a lot more effective in the work that we're doing along the way.
0: I don't know about you drivers, but I feel like I am in, um, pre-planning with Adrian. (laughs) (laughs) I am like, woo child, information overload. Yes, (laughs) hunty. I have so many little nuggets that I can pull from. And, um, for me, I'm really grateful that she talked about how um, we need to think about our distant discoveries. Like, what did you discover from distance learning?
1: Right. And I, I just think it's important. I think um, it's important to kind of cherish the growth that has happened in ourselves over this time and those around us. And I know there's been a lot of growth for me. So, like, I want to just kind of celebrate that. And I liked it um, in your Example, at the beginning, you talked about praise yourself and others around you. And I think it's really important that we do the um, former because I think it's really we can be harder on ourselves, you know, Um, because all of us know where like we stumble. And, you know, you kind of think about like acting where they say the audience doesn't even know what the script is. If you use that and apply it to your actual life, nobody knows what that script is and when you were supposed to do A or B. So just celebrate even though it may feel kind of like a stumble, it's not. It's okay. We're going to keep it moving. we going to applause. Melissa going to press that button. We're going to get a cheer. Yes. And so <laughs> and rem- and remembering to do that often with yourself, I think, is so, so important. So I love that we feed off of each other. I really appreciate working with you and being able to share this with our drivers because, Hey, you know, we got to pat each other on the back along the way and pat ourselves on the back. So I really appreciate that.
0: It is my pleasure. And just as Dr. Mary Scott would say, an amazing leader that I absolutely enjoyed working with grace upon grace, Adrian, grace upon grace drivers and grace upon grace, fabulous five my educators out there. One of the things that I know can be very, very challenging when you are dealing with a new crisis moment is understanding that it is going to have frustrations and anger and sadness and every emotion shock wrapped up inside that season. However, Grace upon grace is greater than our emotions. Love is stronger than our emotions. And so we are not just left feeling emotional, but we are left in these grace upon grace moments with new grace and new mercy every day to ask ourselves, what is the wise thing to do? Yes, I'm angry, but what is the wise thing to do? Yes, I'm sad, but what is the wise thing to do? So I just appreciate the mantra during this time of grace upon grace extend it to yourself grace upon grace and extend it to others and thank you for the shout out about my book this is going to be my first book drivers that's right it's called help and so don't we all need help during these times so i'm really excited to be able to have that to you before the 2020 year is over be on the lookout for that book help and yes the p stands for praise yourself and others
1: wonderful yes and i will be taking grace upon grace with myself as i go forward and with those um i love and with those who push me i will be having some grace even with them so this is only the beginning of this new normal and to be honest we don't really know what all this new normal will bring to us. But we can have some laughs about what has brought us already. And so now we're going to listen to some hilarious versions of what you hear teachers say to their students in that virtual classroom. Drivers, remember, like, subscribe, keep joining us, riding with us, and let's turn on our radios and listen to a little bit of laughter. Brought to you by the Virtual Classroom.
3: Hi, every, oh my, mute your mics, mute your mics hi guys hi so excited to see you hi oh yeah you have a dog yeah she's so cute oh hi puppy oh you have a dog well don't be careful with your d- wow you have a cat oh everyone has pets to show awesome you have a lizard you have a snake nope out Jordan do you want to try and maybe like turn your turn your camera up so that I'm not looking up your nose no 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 I you don't this is kind of like my office. You don't need to see the rest of my house. Oh, you don't have to ask if you can go to the bathroom. You can just go. It's your house. But wash your hands. No, don't bring your computer into the bathroom. I don't. No one needs